With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm here to make you laugh. I'm here to amuse you. I may or may not have on big shoes. This is Funny Like Clown Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Worth, coming out of Gardner. G Vegas, baby, little town outside of Boston. Episode 60, May 3rd, 2020. As always, Funny Like Clown Podcast is brought to you by G Vegas Buffalo Sauce. You want some spicy, you want some sweet, you want some savory taste in your mouth, there's only one G Vegas available at www.gvegas.webs.com. Go hit up that website, check it out. Homemade, you're supporting local, ship to your door. You don't have to go to the grocery store where it's dangerous to do. We discuss comedians, man, and this guy, uh, going way back there, you know, I mean, we got uh, somewhat memories of him, but if you asked our parents, he'd go into the, the big time stage. Jackie Mason, uh, who's still around today. Uh, ranked number 63 on Comedy Central's uh, 100 Greatest All-Time Stand-Up Comedians, and just to be on that list, I mean, if you consider how many comedians there are to be in the top 100, that's uh, that's saying something right there, man. That means he gave us a lot. He gave us so much to laugh about in life. Uh, uh, he uh, was famous for his one-man shows. Uh, 1986, The World According to Me, uh, won a Tony Award, an Outer Critics Award, uh, Ace Award, an Emmy Award, and a Grammy nomination. So, uh you got that many awards flowing in, you're doing something right right there. Uh, his 1988 special, Jackie Mason on Broadway, won an Emmy and an Ace. And, uh, you know, uh, you, you, you pay your dues, you know. I remember, uh, who was it? Uh, don't tell me. George Lucas of Star Wars. Uh, he said that uh, he's never won any big-time uh, awards because he's too big for the industry. He's too big to receive awards like that, he said. You know, and sometimes you get nominated for littler ones and he don't show up because they're little. You know, he pick and chooses, you know, if he does win an award, you know, who you want to show up for the big ones. But you don't insult the industry. you got to pay your dues. You know I mean? The Grammys, those are the tops of the tops if you win a Grammy. But, you know, the Grammy Awards, they won't even think about having you on unless you show up and pay your dues to the Emmys and all the other smaller ones, you know. You have to pay your dues first and show you're appreciative. And uh, you have to massage the industry, as they would say, okay? So, uh you know, if you're nominated, you know, you show up even for the little ones because that'll lead you to the big ones, okay? that That's how it goes. You know, the people that don't show up and, you know, if you hit it out of the park like George Lucas did, then, you know, you're too big to get uh, too big to get nominated for a Grammy because you're you're above the industry at that point. Nobody likes the industry being above them. They want you to, they want you to massage them, okay? Um, again, and then, man, this name pops up all the time on Final Con Podcast. 1991, he did some voiceover work for The Simpsons, which I think, man... They were big into having comedians on that show, I'll tell you. Uh, he was nominated for his third Emmy for that role. Uh, episode was called, like, Father Like Clown. So, what the perfect title for Funny Like Clown podcast, like Father Like Clown on The Simpsons. So, hats off to The Simpsons for giving back the comedy like that, you know. I mean, having so many comedians on, everybody can add that one to the resume because all the top comics, they, you know. And I'll give it to The Simpsons. A lot of them they put on, you know, before they were even, like, as big as we know them now. So, they saw the future, they saw the writing, and that's cool. Uh, he's written and performed six one-man shows on Broadway, and 
just to make it on Broadway, there's a cool thing for you right there, you know, I mean, uh, there's nothing like Broadway, man, that's a, the, the top of the top live shows in New York City, and, uh, they get off Broadway and on Broadway, if you're off Broadway, you're small, and if you're on Broadway, you're big time, and I remember listening to Debbie Gibson once, and, what, I think she's on the Howard Stern show, and he said, you know, you're not as popular as in the 80s, you know. And she said, well, may the downfall of everyone's career be starring on Broadway. <laughs> you know, he's like, don't get defensive. Okay, okay. So, hey, man, you're on Broadway. You're still at the top of your game, okay. And uh, I remember Mark Hamill after Star Wars. He did Star Wars. After that, he went. He always dreamed of doing Broadway. He could have went on and done some major films like Harrison Ford did. But he followed his dream. He wanted to do Broadway. And he went down there. He owned Broadway for a while there. And, uh. That's what happens when you're part of a movie franchise that that's big. You get to do what you want. You get to pick and choose what you want to do, and that's always cool. Uh, let's see. Uh, he was known for his delivery, his voice, and uh, his use of puns, and he was also known as politically incorrect, which, you know, that gets you remembered if, you, if you're... Back then it did. You know, nowadays everybody's insulted. You know, I'm offended if you're politically incorrect. You know, back then if you're politically incorrect, it'd get you remembered, okay? So uh, there's a difference between standing up and having your point heard and standing up and looking like an idiot, okay? There's a fine line you draw there, and you don't want to draw over that line. Uh, he had a thick Jewish accent, which uh, he was remembered for his voice, his thick Jewish accent, and someone actually suggested he went to speech therapy classes and tried to clean it up a little bit. He's like, nope, that was his shtick, and he was sticking with it. Um, it's, um, you know, uh... Time Magazine said he once uh, spoke to audiences, which, I mean, you know, comedy, it's a great way to get your point across, you know what I'm saying? It's like, if you bitch and complain, nobody wants to listen to your bullshit, but if you put a few jokes in there and you make them laugh, then they're willing to listen to your point of view, you know? I mean, I do, uh, my comedy routine, I do the character, the child support superhero, and, you know, if I bitch about child support, nobody wants to listen to it, but, uh... You know, if I put a few jokes in there, make a character the child support superhero, and uh, I make you laugh about it, okay, now you're willing to listen to my point of view about child support system, which is messed up, mind you, and uh, killing children, killing children committing suicide, but I try not to get into it too much. Check it out, man, child support superhero on Facebook. Uh, I try not to get into it too much on the podcast, because I'm so passionate, I do the whole podcast about it, and we're here to talk about comedy. Uh, let's see, as a teenager, he worked as a busboy in New York in the Catskill Mountains, and, uh, yeah, that name, the Catskill Mountains, man, that's, that's turned up more than once, I guess, you know, that's where you go to start all the, uh, resort lodges out there, if you can't get on the mainstream, you gotta start somewhere, and that's where you go to these resorts, okay, because they're looking for people to entertain their crowds, uh, 20 minutes as a busboy, he said he broke all the dishes in the place, so, they ended up making him a lifeguard, but he couldn't swim, so I don't know how you're a lifeguard, <laughs> he can't even swim, and he's like, because he told his boss, well, just don't tell the guests I can't swim, okay? But, I mean, that, that's how you become a comedian, okay? When in your real life you're trying to make any situation funny, you know, that that's the making of a good comedian right there. That means you like to joke around, you know. I mean, when you're at work, you know, and you're making all your other employees laugh, that's, that's what prepares you to become a comedian, is being the class clown, being the funny guy right there. Uh, at age 25, he became a rabbi, following a long family line, going all the way back to his great-grandfather... Um, during his sermons, he started to tell more and more jokes, and, uh, people came just to hear them. They didn't want to hear the sermon, they just wanted to hear his jokes, and, uh, uh, that was when he realized, you know, he had a, a niche here, uh, making people laugh. Uh, uh, after his father died, he, uh, stopped being a rabbi and pursued stand-up comedy full-time, and, uh, you know, when, when you're in a situation like that, if you're at work or something, and somebody's making fun of you, 
you know, when it happens, you got to think quick, okay? you got to come back with a comeback quick, okay? And it teaches you how to think quick. Because when you're on stage, somebody throws a heckle at you, you got one second of something smart back, and you're going to look like an idiot, you know? So it's like, I mean, it, it teaches you how to think quick in comedy when you're in situations like that. Uh, and, you know, I, I imagine he felt an obligation to become a rabbi where, I mean, if it's going all the way, every your father, your father's father, your father's father's father, your father's 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 father, father, you know, if it goes back, you have some obligation, hey, i got to follow on the family line and, I got to become a rabbi too, so I'm sure he uh, he did that. Where you know, I remember my father; he was into horses. He liked to race horses, and it was like he always wanted that to be my dream. And it's like, well, your dream can't be my dream. You know, always tried to force me to work with the horses because he loved it so much, and I ended up hating him for it because you know it was his dream, not mine. But he got upset if I wouldn't follow in his dream. So you know, hats off to him. He paid due to his parents, but I mean, you know, your life is your life. It can't be somebody else's to, to run. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, he performed at a hotel in New York. He was, uh, fired for ridiculing the audience, which, I mean, they said it was before his time because, uh, after he got fired from that, a few years later, along came Don Rickles, and, uh, uh, he was insulting everybody, and it became an accepted style then, but, I mean, before Don Rickles, it wasn't accepted, you know, to be an insult comic wasn't a thing you did, you know? People are going out to have a fun time, and you're sitting there insulting them, they're getting upset, but... You know, Don Rickles was able to do it in such a comedic way where people wouldn't get upset if you insulted them. They'd find it funny. So you had to find a fine line how to laugh at yourself while you were laughing at somebody else. Uh, he performed in uh, New York City nightclubs after Don Rickles, you know, made, made that an accepted thing. He, made, he started a resurgence. Uh, he was earning as much as $10,000 a week. And uh, back then, that was a lot of money. He equals out in today's money to $82,000 a week. You're making 82000 a week. You are at the top of your game, okay? You know what happens when you're at the top of your game? He uh, got his first TV appearance on the Steve Allen Show in 1962. That was followed by, you heard any of these shows? The Tonight Show with Steve Allen, uh, the Perry Como Show, the Dean Martin Show, the Gary Moore Show, the Ed Sullivan Show, okay? These were the biggest times, shows of the time, you know. The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, I remember from our time, but before Johnny Carson... Was Steve Allen who hosted that show, and Ed Sullivan? I mean, he was the Johnny Carson before Johnny Carson. You get on that show, that was the top of the top right there. 1962, he released an LP. I'm the greatest comedian in the world, only nobody knows it yet. That's a, a catchy title right there. Okay, how do you not buy that album if you see it sitting in the record store? Uh, yes, they had record stores. We actually had to go buy records. Everything was online like it is nowadays. But I miss the uh, you know the the old LPs and the cassette tapes, you know. You got the artwork, you got, you know, the way it was supposed to be listened to each joke in order, which, you know, that's important too, because if you put an album together, you know, one joke leads into another, and if you listen to them out of order, you're ruining the whole meaning of the, you know, if you download, you know, all the jokes, but they're not in order, you're missing the meaning of the album right there. So we've lost a lot, you know, with downloading and free file sharing and stuff. We've lost so much from from a world long forgotten, you know, where you got the artwork, you got them in, you know, the order it was meant to listen to, and I guess people will want to give that up if it's free, okay, because everybody's looking for the free ride, not many people want to work for a living and actually buy stuff anymore, so if they can get it for free, why purchase it, I guess, uh, we're all guilty of that, I guess, you know, who isn't, um, let's see, uh, that was followed up by another LP called, uh, I want to leave you with the words of a great comedian, and, uh, you know, these are, these are some great selling albums for him, uh, when, uh, Ed Sullivan gave him a shot on the show, he actually gave Ed Sullivan the finger on air, he flipped him the bird on air, 
And I guess what happened was Ed Sullivan went behind a camera and he gave him the two-minute signal, which if you haven't done 2V, you know, they'll give you the signal list how much time you have left. And he thought he had more time, but the reason Ed Sullivan was giving the signal early, he was telling him, you need to wrap it up early because the president's going to cut in on the show and we're going to get cut out. But when he put Ed Sullivan put the fingers up, he thought he was flipping Jackie the bird. You're going to give me the bird? Hey, right back. I'll give you the bird right back. And uh, it was a misunderstanding. And Ed Sullivan was so outraged by this that he did it that uh, he banned, uh, banned Jackie Mason from the show. And he had signed a contract already for like six appearances. I think he was only a second, so he had four appearances that he didn't even get to do because he was banned from the show. Uh, it went to court. It was a big thing. Uh, he sued for for Ed Sullivan ruining his image. He said, you know, once that you know hit the news media that he gave Ed Sullivan the bird, nobody wanted to go see him, and it really ruined his image. Uh, it was a big lawsuit. Uh, it got dropped by one court, then another court chose, you know, not that he was right, but they had the right for the Supreme Court to hear it or whatever, the next level court to hear it, so it was reinstated. Never came out what the ruling was, but 20 years later, which I imagine this had to be part of a settlement. We never heard about the settlement, but, you know, stuff like this happened. 20 years later, he was given an episode, a comeback episode on the Ed Sullivan Show, and Ed Sullivan apologized to him. So I imagine that was part of the settlement, you know, hey, you don't want to give me money, you better, you know, help me get my career back, put me on your show, and you need to apologize that you were wrong. And that was probably all right to settle the case and probably agreed to that. So, but, uh... You know, the damage was already done at that point that, uh, you know, even after he did the comeback special, it, it was tough to, you know, when you're at the top of your game, nobody rides the top forever, man. And it's like once you're off that top, it's tough to make a comeback. You know, Elvis did it, but few, few can make a comeback to where you're back at the top of your game after you fall from that pedestal. But, I mean, he, you know, I mean, Andrew Dice Clay, when he was on MTV, he started telling dirty jokes, okay? He got banned for life from MTV, but being banned for life from MTV gained him more popularity than if he had a good clean set, you know? So sometimes, you know, flipping the bird to Ed Sullivan might get you remembered more than if you had a good comedy set, you know? So all depends on how you look at it, but I guess ticket sales are the bottom line. If people coming out to see you, then you're good. If they're not, then it hurts you. So uh, that's his profession, you know? This is how he makes money. Like he's got a day job. I mean, that's all he does is comedy. You ruin that. How's the guy making money, you know? So those are damages, and you're entitled to compensation for your damages. Uh, 1965 to 85, he did the Broadway theater. Uh, he did things like uh, Teaspoon every four hours. Uh, and, you know, I, I did a short film, you know, and I do plan on doing some mainstream films. But you don't jump in and do a mainstream films. Like I said, you got to pay your dues, you know. You start out, you do acting little roles, little cameo roles, little short films. Then you work your way up, and then you do some mainstream films. He did that. You know, doing some Broadway theater. He worked his way up. Uh, he got a role in the movie The Jerk. Now, this is more where people our generation are somewhat remember, because as a kid, we all watch a jerk with our parents. Uh, that was with Steve Martin. You're working with Steve Martin, okay? He, I mean, he's in the top five. He, he's in the icon category right there, Steve Martin, you know? Top five godfathers of comedy of our time. You're in a movie with that guy, and The Jerk was the biggest hit of the time. Number one movie at the time. So he was in that. Uh, he was in a History of the World Part 1. That was a Mel Brooks movie. So, I mean, here's this guy. He's worked his way up. To, he's working with Steve Martin and Mel Brooks. That's the top of your game right there. So, uh, well, his live shows, you know, maybe it was heard by the Ed Sullivan show. He was, he was still uh, moving on to the next stage of his career, which was doing movies. And that, that'll launch you back into the big time. So good for him. Uh, 1986, he had a two-year run. Uh, the World According to Me on Broadway which uh, he did 367 shows the first year and 203 the uh, second year. And I believe that was a record at the time that nobody had done that many shows. Uh, 
may still be to this day, I don't know, but I mean, you're doing that many shows on Broadway, that means people are coming out to see you, which is tough, because they tell entertainers, you know, if you do a show, say, in Boston, okay, well, you know, you can't play Boston again, and you, you know, the people who came out to see you, they're not going to come out unless you're a huge act, you know, the next night, you know, you got to give them a little bit of time to make them want to see you again, so, uh, you know, it's like getting residency in Vegas, I mean, yeah, it's a big honor to get residency in Vegas, you're performing every single night of the week. You work six nights a week and get one nut up, okay? So it's like, you can't just tell the same material over and over six nights a week. you got to constantly come up with new material. That's why they have writers, because nobody could possibly come up with that new material, you know? you got to improvise a lot, you know? you got to do some crowd work, and not everybody can do crowd work. So as big of an honor as it is, it's challenging also. I remember uh, I went out to see Carl LeBove, and uh, he, he had residency out in Vegas, and, you know, he was talking about how difficult it is. Every night you got to come up with a new act, and... You know, that's a heck of a lot of material, man. It's not easy to do. So, uh, well, it is an honor. It's also a challenge. Uh, this led to where I remember him best for. And uh, 1988, he had a lead role in Caddyshack 2, which, you know, it was kind of a bad deal because I guess Rodney got a, he was in Caddyshack 1, which was the all-time classic, and nothing could ever live up to Caddyshack 1, you know. Just few franchises. I mean, you could do, off the top of my head, maybe Star Wars and Back to the Future where... The second film was as good as the first one. I mean, yeah, the first one was so good, you made a second one. But it's so difficult to live up to the magic of the first one. I mean, he was set up, you know, to fail in that, where Caddyshack 2, where I still thought it was a decent movie. We act a lot of people at the time, they hated it. But they didn't hate it because it was a bad movie. They hated it because it couldn't live up to Caddyshack 1, you know? I mean, had they released it as a different movie, you know, have nothing to do with Caddyshack, it might have did better. But if you were going to compare it to the first one, it couldn't live up to it. But I still thought it was a decent movie where a lot of people hated it, but that's where I remember him the best for. He really anchored down that movie. Uh, I remember Randy Quaid, uh, I loved his role in that, you know, it was kind of crazy. And little did I know, that was actually a role that was offered to my hero, Sam Kennison, right behind me here, and uh, he turned it down, that was where Randy Quaid got it, but I thought it was hysterical. They wrote the role for Sam, but it was he had some great lines in that. Uh, <laughs> Sam, pro problem with golf is that it's a sport for pussies, man, okay? I got cracked up when I heard that right there. Like no contact, man. All right. Here's what they should do. I got try to get the ball in the hole, and you defend the hole. You know, got your club swinging around, couple upper body checks. You got yourself a game. You know, I don't know. Those are classic lines I remember from the movie. Uh, then, then uh, when Jackie Mason was sitting there, and well, the uh, the kid was playing the lifeguard at the country club, and he was checking out his daughter, and he's like, "Oh, you probably want to get her in a room and have a little fun with her, right?" He's like, "Yeah, you ain't kidding." Hey, you're the lifeguard. Every single life out here is your responsibility. You understand that? You repeat that. Every, every single, every don't confuse me. Every single life out here is your responsibility. So, I did. I cracked up at the movie, and uh, I used to get in an argument with a guy at work. He couldn't stand the movie, and I thought it was good, and we got into some classic arguments over whether it was a good movie or not. But watch it for yourself if you haven't seen it. Don't try to compare it to Caddyshack 1. Just watch it on its own. Um, he had a short-lived television sitcom called Chicken Soup, and, uh, it's so tough to make it on TV. I remember, uh, on Dallas there, uh, J.R. Ewing, and they, they killed off his brother there. Patrick Duffy played his brother, and he thought he'd go on to do bigger things because, you know, Dallas is such a mainstream show, and he went on to do not much or nothing, and, you know, Larry Hagman was laughing at him, like, you don't realize how hard it is to get a number one show on TV, do you? And they eventually wrote his character back into the show, but, uh... You know, it's not easy to be on the number one show, man, if you do appreciate it. That's why these bands drive me nuts, you know. They work so hard to get there, they hit mainstream, then they break up because they can't handle the pressure of being in the big time. And everybody's got a different idea of what's fair, what's not, what you should be doing, what's not. And 
Egos clash, man. Same thing in comedy. You're dealing with egos and you want to get booked, you better massage egos. We've talked about it before. You know, you, you don't insult the guy or heady in the game even if you're right. Even if you're right, keep your mouth shut, let your comedy do the talking for you. That's how you handle that one. Uh, after that, he went on to do some films. Uh, one Angry Man in 2010. Uh, Jackie Goldberg, Private Dick in 2011. And um, he's also had a couple of books out there. Uh, Jackie Mason's America, Jackie Oi, uh, How to Talk Jewish, and Schmucks. So uh, I've never been in the book thing. I never, I've never read a few books in my life. Uh, I guess not much interests me. I mean, I just assume watch a movie on it. Some people learn the reading thing, and you do. I mean, you get more information out of a book than you'll ever get out of watching things. It's either your thing or it's not. Uh... Remember, I read Sam Kennison's book. I couldn't put the thing down. It interests me. Then I tried to read some other books, and I'd be thinking about other stuff while I was reading. So, But check out his books if you want to uh, read them. Now he's actually, you know, this is the day and age everything's going to. We've talked about it before. Everything's going to Netflix. Everything's going to YouTube. Uh, he's got a video blog on YouTube, and he's experimenting with some podcasting. doing some. Uh, so he's blogging on YouTube. But Jackie Mason, for a guy of his age, you know, he's realizing, you know, uh, I said it before, you know, I brought a buddy to my town and there was a pizza shop on every corner. He's like, dude, why is there so many pizza shops? Like, because that's what people's buying. They're buying pizza. That's why, you know, why is everybody going on the internet? Because that's where everybody's at, man. That's why they're going on the internet. So it's almost at a point where the internet's, I mean, it is. Netflix is paying millions of dollars to get people over there where you couldn't make that much, you know, putting that out of the box office if you tried. So everything's going to the internet, downloading, it's the future, and, uh, that's why you can't even release a comedy CD anymore. You can't release a comedy album because all the, you got to give it to them for free. It's a promotional item and hope you can make up for it where, you know, they like you enough by getting your stuff for free that they'll come out to see you live and you make up your, your money there at the live shows, which I was watching, a, you know, a big interview of Paul Stanley at Kiss and he was saying, you know, what? why should my art form, why should I have to compromise and give it to you for free, you know? It's illegal to download it, but everybody's doing it anyway, you know? Why should, why should I have to give you something for free because that's the, the day and age we live in. That's why you got to do it. Maybe it's not right, right, wrong, or otherwise. That's what's happening, and you got to go with the flow. That's why. So he has a perfect argument. No, it's not right. He shouldn't have to do it. But, hey, we all we all do things we don't want to do in life, you know. It's a free country, but we still have laws to live by. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, now I'm going to debunk one here because when I was getting ready to do this show, I actually... Uh, I actually uh, had a lot of people comment, and they said that, um, you know, man, I loved him so good when he was in the uh, the anteater on uh, the Pink Panther there, man. Okay, this is where the anteater, he'd go around trying to eat the ant, and uh, it was the voice of uh, of uh, Jackie Mason, and uh, everybody loved him for that role. Well, come to find out, it wasn't Jackie Mason who did it. It was actually an impressionist. John Biner, and he did an impression of Jackie Mason, and I guess his impression was so good, everybody thought it was Jackie Mason, because everybody was saying they loved him for that role as the anteater, and it wasn't even him, uh, so I guess the guy, the just, uh, John Biner was an impressionist, uh, he was the Craig Gass of the Rich Little of Frank Calliano of his time, he did such a good Jackie Mason voice, he convinced everybody it was actually him doing it, it was, he chose, uh, he did the voices of both the anteater and the ant on the cartoon, so he was doing both voices where the anteater went around trying to eat the ant, trying to figure out different ways to eat the ant. Now remember, I'm an anteater, I'm supposed to eat ants. But uh, he did uh, the voice of the aardvark, which is the anteater. He did an impression of uh, Jackie Mason, and he said that the ant was actually an impression he did of Dean Martin. So 
Dean Martin didn't play the ant, and Jackie Mason didn't play the yard bark. It was uh, just uh, John Biner doing impressions. So we've ended that rumor right there. Uh, um, you know, I did get a couple of fans that uh, that um, you know wrote in, and they said a couple of cool stories that. Uh, you know, uh, one of them, uh, Stephanie Peters wrote in, she met him once, and, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, she took, she was going to meet him or whatever, and she took the wrong highway, and she's not into sports, and I think she said she took the Jackie, Jackie Robinson freeway or whatever, and she thought it was Jackie Mason, and he's like, really, that's why you're late? Because <laughs> you misunderstood the highway? You thought it was me? Or whatever, uh, somebody else said, uh, they got an autograph, and, you know, he's very accommodating, which... Some people are cool with the fans. Some people forget where they came from. I always said, if you make it big, don't forget where you came from. Can't stand that people look down on people. Uh, one said that uh, I think his wife was going through some health issues, and he mentioned it to his uh, dentist or something, and uh, the dentist was actually friends with Jackie Mason's wife, so she set it up to have Jackie Mason call his wife that was going through health issues, and when Jackie Mason calls, like, yeah, yeah, you Jackie Mason, funny, and hung up on the guy. I never realized that it was actually Jackie Mason. And I guess his wife called back and straightened the whole thing out that, yeah, it actually was him. He called to talk to your wife and help her through the health issues. So those are cool stories you hear, you know. And somebody's willing to do that, man. It shows, you know, you didn't forget where you came from. Uh, don't forget where you came from. Keep laughing. This is Funny Like Clown Podcast, man. And um, some great comedians out there. We're learning stuff on this podcast, you know. A lot of the comics... You know, I grew up with these comics, I watched them, but no matter how many times I do a podcast, I always learn something about these comics I didn't know, you know. Today I learned that he, well, you know, first I thought he was the voice of the Yardbark, come to find out he wasn't. I remember I found out Jonathan Winters was the voice of Papa Smurf, and I watched the Smurfs as a kid, I had no idea Jonathan Winters was the voice, and it all made sense after I heard him, I'm like, yeah, that was his voice, well, why didn't I ever realize that, but... Hey, we're having fun, man. I hope you're having fun with me. We're learning things about the comics we all grew up in love. Laughter is the best medicine. Keep tuning in. Until next week, uh, hey, go out, tell somebody a joke and make them smile because the world needs more smile right now because we're going through a tough time. And if you even for one sec, you tell somebody a joke, go to work, call up somebody right now, tell them a joke, put some laughter in life. Laughter is the best medicine. We'll see you next week. Good night. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.